0: Welcome to a new episode in the Expert Life in Unse podcast series. Today we will talk about Danish language and culture. My guest in this episode is Tina Bakker from Danish Matters. Tina teaches Danish language and culture to internationals in Denmark. And in addition to teaching in person, Tina also teaches online, so it is also possible to connect with Tina from abroad. This is the Expert Life in Unse podcast series, and my name is Jashti Overland. Welcome to the podcast, Tina.
1: Yeah, thank you. So where are you originally from? Um, I am from Denmark, uh, but I think that maybe you've uh, seen my last name, which is uh, B-A-C-H-E-R, so Baca, which is uh, Dutch, so it indicates a little uh, otherwise. And many generations ago, on my father's side, they came to Denmark from Holland, or part of the people who were invited by King Christian II of Denmark in something around 1521 I believe. Um, they were invited in order to grow the land on Amma which is the big island close to Copenhagen and they settled there in uh, Stor Mauleby. but that's that's of course many generations ago so I definitely consider myself Danish although I have lived uh, one year abroad which you've also uh, been asking me uh, so that was just for one year. So definitely I am Danish. Yeah, so you're
0: Danish and where Did you live abroad? I lived in Brussels in Belgium.
1: How was that? That was great. I was uh, this uh, cliche example of an au pair (laughs) taking care of kids and living in a French speaking family and going to school and so on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And did that inspire you to teach other people later on about culture and language when you lived abroad?
1: It did, exactly. It did. I was around 19 when I lived there, and the language school I went to was every day. Of course, not in the weekend, but every day. And I had these incredible teachers who were, of course, they knew what they were talking about, but they were also very uh, humoristic. And yeah, I just learned, I, I learned a lot from them and I loved learning from them. And they were a real inspiration. Um, so it's always been sort of in the back of my mind that I wanted to teach my own language one day. And there's, there's actually a bit of a story to that, because before I did with what I'm doing now... Um, I was working in a tourist and business consultant company or center in my local area and that's more than 10 years ago. And I had this very ambitious, younger than me actually, but very ambitious uh, boss who was this very much a business person and she wanted me to be this high-profile businesswoman as well. Um, I was sort of like a little project, and <laughs> she uh, she encouraged me to read the um, newspaper here in Denmark called Børsen, which is all about business and companies and economy and such. And um, one day she told me to read a specific article that she wanted me to read, which could be interesting to what I was working on. And we had this paper version of this newspaper back then, and I opened up at their specific page that she has suggested me and I was immediately hooked and I thought yeah this is really interesting and then as I read on it was about culture or something and then there was this little bell in my head sort of alerting me that this can't possibly be what she wants me to read it has nothing to do with business and then I looked at the rest of the page and saw this almost double-paged article about I don't remember exactly what it was, but something business-like, uh, which was not interesting to me at all. And then uh, that was, of course, what she wanted me to read. <laughs> and so that day I realized that I had to quit and start looking for something else. And then this idea of teaching my own language came back to me. And so I I quickly uh, registered for some modules in Danish as a Second Language. And I also found a job in a... Uh, very small company with one person actually, um, but I, I worked there for a while and later on it closed. And uh, I asked them, "What are you going to do with all your books and your materials?" And uh, the woman having this company, she said, "Well, I'm going to sell it." And I said, "Okay, so why don't you why don't you sell it to me?" So I bought their entire inventory, <laughs> and that's that's what it started from there. <laughs> so it's a bit of a long story. Wow, that's nice. So so then you started it off and was that Danish matters right away from the beginning it wasn't actually my husband had a company back then called robot lab and so I started under that and then called it uh, robot lab danish courses something like that and then danish matters um, came later yeah and because
0: now you are teaching Danish culture and language to foreigners. Um, and how do you think it is for internationals to come to Denmark yeah. and learn Danish? Is it hard, do you think, to
1: learn Danish? I do. I do. That's that's what I hear, at least. I think that most people find, for example, Swedish easier to learn. I think more sounds in the Swedish language resembles more what people are used to. So definitely um, Danish is... It's a difficult language to learn. I hear that it's one of the most difficult languages mm. to
0: learn in the world. Why is it so difficult? Uh, is it the vowels, Or
1: what makes it so difficult? Yeah, I think in the beginning, um, it's maybe to to grasp and to accept first off that written and spoken Danish are very different elements of the language. I used to um, teach at Studioskolen uh, after a while in my own company. And there I had this small group of students who were total beginners and in one of our first sessions they were going to follow this text in the book and listening to it at the same time and they got all confused and started flipping the pages and looking at each other like where are we and when i told them that what they were looking at in the book and what they were hearing was the same text they were sort of shocked (laughs) they didn't believe it yeah, so I think for beginners that's difficult. And then there's of course also our articles, eaten and It. It's not, of course, they are not uh, difficult, but what is difficult is that most languages, or a lot of languages, have articles, but the word that they're in front doesn't really change, which it does in Danish, as we put these articles at the end of the words to create definite forums, and we also add other endings in order to get plural, for example. Yeah, so. For example, if you have, um, and this is a cliche example, but it who's becomes who'sle or who'set, and that's just difficult to, if it becomes longer, like for example, húsene in plural, it's difficult to decipher at first that this is actually the same as who's. I mean, you need to be able to recognize that this actually derives from the same word. Yeah. So that's, that's difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: If you're working really hard at learning Danish, uh, of course, it's individual, but how long do you think it will take to learn it in order to be able to work in the language?
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, a lot of people ask me that question, and I, I really think it's very individual. Yeah. Some people are able to learn Danish within a year, two years maybe, but for others it takes a bit longer. Mm. Um, it also depends on how exposed you are to the language. Are you out there? Are you working? Or are you maybe unemployed or looking for work? And then that not exposed to the language. So it really depends, but at least a couple of years, I'd say. But that's very, it's very broad (laughs) Um, estimation, yeah.
0: important is it to learn Danish do you think when you are an international in Denmark
1: I think it's very important I think the Danes are very uh, protective of their language and very very picky although they do throw in little a little English here and there uh, when they speak themselves I think they um, yeah they're they're really uh, attentive to how people speak and they can hear their Slightest difference in pronunciation and they notice the, if the melody, for example, is a bit off. So an example of this is, uh, for example, the late husband of our queen, Prince Henrik, who was French and who had a strong accent when he spoke Danish. And I think the Danes, they then concluded that he didn't speak well enough. But actually he had a huge vocabulary and he understood everything. Maybe he had a few grammatical errors here and there and so on. But his language was actually good. But that's not how the Danes uh, remember him and that's not how they saw him. So I think that to Danes, it's very important that you show interest in the language and that people make an effort to learn Danish. That said, they aren't that understanding <laughs> when people can't pronounce a certain word or if they make some mistakes. Um, I've heard so many stories from my different students uh, saying that that Danes are they kind of harsh. I remember... Uh, a woman, for example, who, uh, as part of her job, she had to speak on the phone with people and one day someone was telling her like med dig. Inte, So I don't want to speak with you, I want to speak with someone who speaks proper Danish. Um hmm. and her Danish wasn't that bad at all. But of course she had a little accent, like <laughs> most people do when they speak another language. Like like we do now when speaking yeah. English. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um Yeah. Do you think it's different in different parts of Denmark how
1: important it is to speak Danish? Yeah, maybe. I guess you can I mean you can always cope with English, I think in most of the country, but I guess in little villages everywhere it's probably a little difficult. I mean, Copenhagen area, everyone speaks English. I think you can get by by using English a lot. But yeah, in the smaller towns and on the outskirts of Copenhagen and and further outside of Copenhagen, I think Danish is, it's important to know.
0: Yeah.
1: What do you think foreigners in
0: Denmark are most
1: surprised about when they experience the Danish culture? (laughs) Good question. I think it's a number of things. For example, our odd humor, (laughs) uh, which tends to be uh, very sarcastic and ironic. Mm. I mean, usually we only use it with people that we like and that we think will understand it, but it might not be uh, that easy, and sometimes it goes downright wrong. One very clear example, I don't know if you know it or if you remember, but there was this film instructor, Lars von Trier, I don't remember how many years ago that this is, but he was attending a press conference at a film festival in Cannes in France. And yeah, some, somehow in what he said, he said that he was sympathizing with Hitler. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah um, and now, of course, this is out of context, but I, I think that that was really just Danny humor. Of course, he didn't mean it. Mm. Um, That said, it was really a bad time to use that kind of humor and very insensitive, of course. Um, uh, I mean, you just don't say things like that before the world press. But um, yeah, he did. And I think as a result, I, I believe he was banned from the festival for several years, something like that. Yeah, another thing I think that people might get surprised by is how we, in one way might seem very direct. Like, we don't use last names and we don't say Mrs. and Mr., for example. Um, and when we have meetings at workplaces, we would... I mean, there won't be that much small talk beforehand. It's just straightforward and to the point. But on the other hand, we are very afraid of conflict. We don't really like to fight verbally, of course, but we don't really like to have these like, very heated discussions. We'd rather... Sort of be calm and solve things peacefully. Then there is our flat hierarchy at the workplace. I think that's that really puts foreigners off. I think it makes them very uncomfortable, and it's very difficult to navigate. People usually find it very difficult that they might have lunch with their boss, or that they are sort of expected to do social things with their colleagues, like the Julefrokost Christmas lunch. Mm. Um, Yeah, and so there are are so little things like our extensive usage of our flag everywhere and (laughs) that we all have the same for dinner on Christmas Eve and yeah, things like that.
0: Mm. Yeah, so when thinking about the workplace, there is the flat structure, but there's still a a boss who decides.
1: Yeah, there is a boss. Yeah.
0: So how to navigate in that? Maybe can it be a bit confusing sometimes?
1: Yeah, now that you say that, I actually had a, a student a while back and he was, I believe he was from Canada. Um, and he came to a company in Denmark and he had a Swedish wife. And she was saying, now you're in Scandinavia and the hierarchy is more flat and you need to tell your employees that they can always come to you if there is something. And he said, and they did. <laughs> he was just not prepared for that and he he also said that they didn't really res- he didn't feel that they respected him and i had to tell him that well we know that you're the boss but don't think that we won't argue with you like say uh, why do we have to do it this way or why do we have to do that and or I have a better idea why can't we do this I mean you need your arguments in place as a boss in Denmark I mean we do respect that we, like, we have a boss and he has the last he or she has the last word you could say I mean we do respect that but we definitely will tell him or her if we have different opinions and that's not what everyone is used to from their
2: own
0: uh, countries. Is it something that you would like to talk about regarding the Danish language and culture that you think people should know that we haven't talked about?
1: Maybe also so that people don't feel that they're alone, that there are different parts of the Danish language that most people struggle with. I'd say that, for example, pronunciation and prepositions are the most difficult parts. And I think that all, all, almost all nationalities, they they struggle with this. For example, uh, when it comes to prepositions, it's difficult because there is just... Not just one preposition that goes with one verb. So an example of that could be at uh, være so to agree. I mean, we have three different uh, three different prepositions that you can use with that. It could be at være enig i, at være enig med, at være enig om. <laughs> so uh, and yeah, so and and pronunciation is also difficult because we have sounds that not all languages have. For example, the soft D and what is called still, which is a glottal stop. And many of our vowels have many nuances. uh, And also our consonants aren't always pronounced the way they seem to be. For example, this is just an example that we have this rule of double P, T and Ks. They usually would go to be more like Bs and Ds and Gs. Um, so, for example, uh, if I say super, which is spelled with a double P, we would say more B-like, super. So that's just one example. And I also find that Danish is less precise nowadays. I mean, we do have words uh, for all kinds of things, but some of them we don't use that much. <laughs> so, Danish is a very, uh, in daily life language, Danish is a very low language, I think. Not to criticize my own language, I love my own language, but it's just to say that we we communicate on a level that is for everyone, language-wise, I think. So, for example, the word, this is a very uh, simple word from, from daily life, but the word cup is used for both a cup and a mug but we do have a word for mug which is a, it coach. So of course some people use the word coach it's not like it doesn't exist and it's not used but the most common really is cup I think. Yeah. So so do
0: people use less words that so there are more options but people don't use them all that much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. same thing with uh, we use le yeah. a lot like uh yawamel <laughs> yawasha where other people would say i prepare right i prepare dinner i well english say i i do in English yeah but um but yeah is is used a lot where other i think other languages would use sort of more formal or more precise words, and then there's also our strange usage of a word like komme, which of course means both to come and to arrive, but we also use it for example for cooking. Jeg kommer lige salt i. I'm just gonna add some salt, yeah? And But we have words for adding, which is tilføje, and we have words for pouring, helle, but we would still say, jeg kommer lige i. I mean, we could. So that's also a bit strange. So All of this just to say that whatever people are struggling with, I don't think they're alone. (laughs) There are many struggling with them. (laughs) So at least there's that. Yeah. So when you're teaching uh, about Danish
0: culture to foreigners, uh, what topics are you mostly asked about?
1: Yeah, well, as I have two kinds of jobs, actually, maybe I didn't mention that before, but I also teach at what is called DIS in Copenhagen, and that's only for American university students. And there they, they really don't have a choice uh, because it's uh, it's part of their uh, curriculum, it's part of their uh, syllabi. So there I teach them about uh, Grundwig and Hans Christian Andersen and Kierkegaard and things like equality, Danny Schumer, something like that, all, all of those things. Um, but when I teach in my own company, it's more of the daily-like things that people ask me about. like. Yeah, why why do we use our flag so much? For mm. example, there's lots of people asking about that. But how do I throw a children's party? How is that done here, like a birthday party? Um, how how is that done here? Or, <laughs> yeah, how is it done here? Hmm. <laughs> uh, I think it's. Um, I think we do it in a very sort of relaxed way. That at least I have two children myself, and we've done it the very relaxed way, as in. We've planned a few games that they can play, it could be what we call uh, Stole dance. is one. <laughs> uh, you play some, some chairs in the middle and there's always one chair too little and there's some music and they have to dance around the chairs and when the music stops you, they should have to find a chair to sit on and the one who doesn't find a chair is out of the game and so on. It goes on and when until one has has won. That's one. They play um, ballon dance, which is playing with a balloon around your foot. It's tied to your foot and you have to to, uh, break them with your feet. So you have to break the other's balloons. Also for you dance to music uh, when you do that. And then there's just play afterwards. So just play with each other uh, and they would be served layer cakes for example and they would sing the birthday song or they would have buns with for example jam or some kind of chocolate topping or so it's sort of a mix between planned games and free play and there are some decorations and so on but i don't think that we plan all the the details of course there are people doing i mean this is just my my own take on it um so it's room for something else to occur. There is room for a child saying, oh, should we play this game? And if the others would like to play that, then they play that. So that's just one thing, um, and one thing that I might be asked about. But it could also be, for example, talking to your boss. Can I say this to my boss? Uh, Or how do I behave in delicate situations? Uh, For example, sometimes when I send out my uh, when when people sign up for my email list, I have a little treat for them usually, um, and right now it's handy phrases for job interviews conducted in Danish. Yeah, but at other times it might be I do- have a whole little document with phrases for delicate situations. What do I say when somebody died mm. or? how do i congratulate someone if they've had a baby or i mean that's also delicate but positively delicate you could say mm. right but like all all sorts of of situations um that type of questions uh, i also get because people don't want to be awkward and they don't want to do any faux pas mm. so like missteps yeah. in any sense
0: that is great uh, to have somebody to talk with about that i think
1: it's nice yeah yeah it's uh learning a language is not just learning the language right there's so many or living in a different country it's not just the language it's very much the culture and there's so many cultural clues around you and also within the language yeah yeah i think when you move somewhere then people laugh but you don't
0: understand why <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because yeah you know. What did I say? What did I do? Did I do something strange? You know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Are they laughing at me? Yeah. Why are you laughing? What did I do? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, that's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think then it's good to have somebody to, where you can ask about that, like, was, this was the situation. They laughed. And yeah, maybe you would immediately be able to see why do people laugh. Exactly.
1: I do talk to them about our humor because that's difficult also that we laugh about something and we don't have that many taboos either. <laughs> um, so that, that's also a thing that, oh, they talked about this and they, la- they laughed. Yeah, well, that, that's what we do about, about most things. Yeah. <laughs> but it's terrible when somebody laughs. I mean, <laughs> I think you've experienced it. I have experienced it. I think everyone who has lived in a different country has experienced being laughed at or you don't know if they're laughing at you. It's a horrible situation to be in because you don't know what to do or say. Yeah, and maybe it's it's
0: just humor and you feel offended, but actually it's just fun, you know. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I thought about something about Danish birthday parties before when you mentioned the way they do them in here in Denmark. So when they invite children, they always invite everyone. I, I don't think they're just a few they invite. It's,
1: isn't yeah. that common? Yeah, that's the Danish uh, consensus kind of term, I guess, that at least in those classes that my children have been in, it's actually been arranged in school that either you invite everyone or you invite only the girls if you're a girl, or only the boys if you're a boy. You don't leave out anyone. But I think that's only up to a certain point. For example, my youngest child is now in seventh grade, and there we don't really talk about that anymore as parents. So it's sort of like in the lower grades that we try to have this kind of system that you don't, yeah, you don't leave out anyone. Whereas I think in other countries, you just invite whomever you want. And it's normal to be left out, or at least some people experience that. And and also when it comes to gifts, that's also very uh, class-based. You could say they have to agree on something. Some would just buy a gift, like whatever, and, and just give that. But in my children's classes, they've done this. I find that a good idea. So... The age that their child was turning, they would get that in money, in krona. So if you turn 10, you would get 10 krona from everyone. And of course, you would then, I mean, the, the bright child would, of course, quickly add up. Okay, I will get this <laughs> in the end. This is the sum I will be getting. Yeah, sure. But they would they would try to um, make it fun fun gifts. Like rubbing them in in some kind of way, putting them on drawings, these coins, or in bottles with water and, I don't know, something decorative or, I mean, some kind of creative kind of present just to make it fun and to make it look festive and this is a birthday gift. So that's what they have done, but others have other arrangement. Like you can give a gift but only up to, I don't know, thirty krona, and then you just buy something uh, like that. Or within that range of, of an amount.
0: Yeah, so so not too much and uh, not too big gifts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't mm. think they will come and having bought a a gift for 200 krona, for example, mm. two hundred. That that would be that would be a lot. Yeah, that would be very expensive. Yeah. 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 Also, because they go to a lot of birthday parties mm. a year, right? Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> that'll be very expensive if you go to ten birthday parties a year. So yeah. Mm. So they keep it. Uh, I, I guess I think most classes keep it kind of small yeah. in in the sense of amount.
0: Yeah. And and do they often have parties at home, or do they arrange it somewhere
1: else sometimes? Or? Yeah. Often it's at home. But I think I see a tendency nowadays that children are invited to other places like McDonald's or they go to like playgrounds, but indoor playgrounds. I think some would be called Laie Len, something like that. And some go to indoor swimming pools. So it has started to become a little Americanized, I would say. And yeah, so they still go to each other's houses, which I find a really good tradition because you get to see their how they live and their personality and you get to see their rooms and their toys and how they live, what does their home look like. But yeah, so there is this new kind of tendency that you go out, but it's not everyone. I think it might be even less than 50% doing that, but there are definitely some going out also. Mm.
0: You have invented the term bone stains, could you talk a bit about
1: this term? I have this podcast for foreigners, and I didn't want to say foreigners in the title, I, I just it just sounded too formal or too distant in a way. I wanted something more connecting and more positive than what, for example, the media sometimes are talking about. Uh, And then I was just sitting there one day sort of generating ideas for this title and trying to come up with something more positive. And that's how Bonus Danes came up. And after I came up with Bonus Danes, I actually realized that we use the word bonus for other people as well, like, uh, for example, a stepdad or stepsister. That would be Bonus-Fa and bonus sister. So a little back when we wanted something else than stelmo or stimo, which sounds a bit like the wicked stepmother in fairy tales, <laughs> we used to say plastic or Papp, so the latter means cardboard. Um, but that, of course, have kind of a negative connotation. <laughs> Uh, not exactly positive. Um, so someone, I don't know actually who it was or how it came about, but someone must have invented bonus more I think it started with mother. So bonus more and then other words just had bonus added to them as well later on. So that's uh that's how I came up with
0: it. Yeah, I think it's a very positive word. Uh, it's nice, I think. Could you talk a bit about your podcast?
1: I talk to foreigners in Denmark who have been the requirement is that they've been here for about two years or more. And I set this limit because I want people to be over their honeymoon, so to speak. A lot of people, when they come here, they think that they've come to paradise, sort of, when they first arrive. And I think that later on they find out that even in paradise, there is the snake (laughs) and that Danish society isn't uh, perfect either, as no society is. And and so I want them to have a realistic sense of what it means to live here. Um, And that also implies that they have been throughout different traditions a couple of times. Uh, So basically, I want them to know what they're talking about. I worry a little bit that people think that they have to be famous or have some kind of Fancy, glamorous story to tell, um, but really, their story doesn't have to be out of the ordinary. As I usually say, you don't need acquaintances at the royal court or hold high positions. It's it's their story, and their take on Denmark and their life here, and and that's what's important. And my goal is uh, that oh, I w- I just want to be the mediator to help, support, and guide and inspire foreigners amongst each other so that they get this sense of connectedness so that they know that they're not alone and they can get a good life here in Denmark
0: yeah I listen to the episodes and I think it's really nice to hear the other people's experiences with moving here
1: yeah yeah I find it very interesting too and everyone has their different story even even if they come from the the same country I mean it's it's a personal story so everyone is different from another yeah <laughs> The title of my podcast is a bit long. (laughs) I call it My Danish Experience for, with and about, bonus Danes in Denmark. So it's a bit long, but the the sort of uh, daily-like title is My Danish Experience.
0: You also have a Facebook group called Danish Matters. What are you posting in this group?
1: Yeah, different kinds of posts on Danish language and culture also. But I also work a lot behind the scenes uh, these days on different kinds of things for Danish learners. So right now I'm not posting as often as I would like to. But the group is there and we are actually, oh, I think we're more than 1600 people in there. So it's kind of a large group for one admin person. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I do write a yeah. little in there, but uh, definitely people can also write about Danish language and culture in there. Uh, and later on, I will uh, I will post more. And and I also have this email list. Definitely uh, sign up for my email list because there you can get my different products that I'm creating either for free or at a reduced price. So um, I'm encouraging you to sign up for that one as well. Yeah, and what was the email address again? Yep, tina at DanishMatters.dk.
0: If people would like to learn about Danish language and culture from you, how does it work in practice?
1: Yeah, so... Uh, they can write to me by my email address that I mentioned previously, tina at danishmatters.dk. But in practice also is that I also teach online. We don't have to meet in person. I actually did that way before Corona. So it's not just due to that, but it's mm-hmm. also due to that. But usually it would work the way that I sent them a link which the student just has to click on. I would usually send that a little before. And we can both turn on our cameras and our microphones and we can wear headphones so that we get the best sound that we can. And we would either work with something that we can both see, either we both each have opened up a certain document or the student or I share the screen or our screen with the other. And if we need something written to look at, we write it in the chat. Uh, or maybe the student had has prepared something written, like in preparation. And then we can look at that together also on the screen, or they can just cut and paste it into the chat, and we can talk about their written language. And usually I would teach in person or online. If I teach in person, I would usually teach two times 45 minutes. But online is just... It's a bit more distant, it's not to say that, that it's not that it doesn't work well. It really normally it really works well, but it demands more of both the teacher and the student. So usually we would just meet for 45 minutes because you would have to speak louder and you only have this small window to gesture within. And for that reason, I, I only teach 45 minutes in a row when it's online. But it works really well. I've had so many students like that. So it definitely works well also. Mm.
0: Do you make personalized courses also with what they need?
1: I do. I do. Yeah, we would usually email uh, or sometimes talk on the phone about what their challenges are. And I can say that we can do it this way. We can do it that way. and So that it's definitely tailored. This is a cliche word, I know. (laughs) But it really is tailored to their needs. And that's also a luxury of being the only student so that we don't need to focus on other people's challenges. We can just focus on you. What do you struggle with? Is it pronunciation? Is it your grammar? Is it your spelling or whatever it is? Thank you so
0: much for participating in this podcast, Tina. Thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to an interview with Tina Bachel from Danish Matters. Tina's email address and link to her Facebook group are included in the show notes. This is the Expert Life in Ones podcast series, and my name is Yasti Övland. I'm the host and the producer of this podcast. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.